Now, I have to tell, I'm going to start out by just telling the audience something, telling the listeners something. We will choose a topic, and it's rare that you choose a topic, and I'll, I'll hear back from Rini, or it'll be me, what should we do this week? And you go, how about overwhelm? And I'll go, that's amazing. <laughs> and it'll be fantastic. And we get very excited about ver- about things that are traditionally not good news. I'm so excited to talk about overwhelm. I must say that I'm overwhelmed by the amount that I want to say during this overwhelm episode. So I am feeling like excited, but also, you know, on topic. It's, it is amazing how these things kind of coincide with our own personal lives. And, <laughs> and we have no agenda. Let me say that. The only no. agenda is helping people. And and when I say people, I mean us. Yes. The show's, wait, is anyone listening? No, there are people listening. Thank <laughs> you for helping. listening, by the way. We're here to help you, which means we're really here to help us. <laughs> um, that is exactly why we're here. Yes. Why is everyone is overwhelmed? Have you met anyone who doesn't say that they are overwhelmed? Any kids, any grownups? Like, do you know anyone who's not overwhelmed personally? In today's world, no. Although I wonder if I was, I wonder if my great, if my grandfather, when he was in Russia, growing up was overwhelmed. He slept on a straw mattress, a straw bed in a saloon. So I don't know if he was overwhelmed. He didn't have time. See, we have time to be overwhelmed. Yes, it's decadence. I mean, we're just literally, it's a luxury overwhelm. It kind kind of is, but but it's a serious thing because why do you have to live in in that way, in that condition? And I should let people know that you're listening to Dear Anxiety. And this is an actual show. This is a podcast, which you can hear all over the place now. And it's a including iTunes, but it's a pie. It's a show about mental health. It's about our thoughts and feelings and how we deal with them. Our relationship to our thoughts and feelings is about wellness. It's about emotional fitness. We know what physical fitness is. Do we have any idea what well-being is or, or emotional fitness? We do not. When I say we, I'm talking about me pretty much. Uh, and maybe you, I don't know. But thanks for thanks for tuning in. We're in the middle of a show, really. This is about overwhelm. That's what we're going to turn our attention to. And I have to tell you that my partner, I don't know how she is not overwhelmed 100% of the time because she does more. She is, Ever since James Brown died, she's the hardest working man and woman in show business. There's no question about that. She has a company called GoZen, which is fantastic helps kids, parents, schools, teachers, trains so many people and helps them with anxiety relief, with how to stress better, with anger transformation, with these incredible summits, which we'll tell you more about, including the Happy Child Summit. And it's about teaching resilient skills so that people can live happier, live healthier. And her name is Rini Jane. She holds a degree in applied positive psychology. I don't. She does from the University of Pennsylvania. How are you not overwhelmed? I do. You know what's so funny? My parents are visiting from Chicago. I live in LA. They're visiting from Chicago. And every time I see my mom, I don't know if this happens to you guys, to those of you who are listening, I feel like I go back into 15-year-old Rini or like 14-year-old or 13-year-old, the days when I was really, really overwhelmed. I, <laughs> I just act like that. I act like that, that kid that I was. Um, And so she regularly says to me, how is it that you do this work? What do you do? Stress management? (laughs) Because you seem rather stressed. But you know what? I have a lot of things going on, as many, many of us do. 
I'm a mom. I am on a mission to reach as many kids as possible with resilience skills. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm mostly a human, right? Ed and I do this podcast together. Um, I'm writing a book right now. And so these are all beautiful things that are happening in my life. Beautiful chaos, I call it. Um, but I try to just keep my eye on the fact that I'm able to do things that are meaningful and that feeds me. And I also think it provides a buffer from the overwhelm. And I, I do check in with myself and I do a lot of self-compassion practices. So we'll talk about that in this episode. So you're, so you're, you're answering a lot of, a lot of questions there because I was going to ask, you know, what, what happens to us when we experience overwhelm? How do you relate and respond or identify overwhelm? And uh, what, what can you practice? What can we practice? And I, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if it was like this in, in the world a long time ago before social media, electronics, and this, this age of information but it is that way now. All of the things that make us human, we have to practice. And that makes me very, very angry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. Because, it's, because it, should, it seems like you should just be able to, you know, have these basic things like ability to, you know, like self-calm, able to check in with yourself. Um, it should be something that everybody, it should be in the, in the landscape of what life is. We do have them. We have a wellspring of these resources inside of us. We just bury them or they get, they get zapped. We forget about them. So I think that's what we're here for. That's what this is all about. We're actually, it's interesting because a lot of times we get people writing in and thank you so much for writing in. We love hearing from you. And we get people writing in saying, thank you for these tools and for these research-based methods, and really we're activating what you have come into the world with. But you were asking earlier, Ed, you know, what is overwhelm? What does it look like? And I really think it is, I mean, we all know it when we're in it, but it's when the demands placed on us and our lives, whether it be kids or grown-ups, are more than the, we feel like the resources that we have to cope with those demands. So we just can't deal. Right. And we feel overwhelmed. But like so many things that we talk about on the show, for me, the overwhelm comes from, of course, how I respond to those things outside myself. But really, it's how I respond to those things inside myself. So when I have a lot of things coming at me, the first thing that I say to myself is, I can't do this. I'll never make it. This is too much. I don't know how to do this. I'll fail. These are the things that I'm saying to myself. So if I'm saying those things to myself and I'm not aware of it, aren't I, I am going to be overwhelmed. Yeah. But one of the things that I've learned about you and you guys probably see about Ed is he's extremely self-aware. Almost maybe there's like a shadow side to your self-awareness. It's like your insides are on your outsides. <laughs> it, my insides are on my outsides. It may be, it may be, it may be Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Phil. Um, at, the same, <laughs> at the same time. And Mr. Hyde wants to hide from both those people. See, it, it, it's connected to what I'm thinking about these situations. And when you get into those situations and your thoughts, like the thoughts you just had, I can't handle this. I'm never right. I heard can't. I heard never. So, you know, in that is a basic intervention. You are aware of your thoughts you're seeing in the Go Zen programs for kids, we call it extremifying, where you go to extremes. 
And you're using words like always, can't, and never. And those are typical cognitive distortions, right? So if you are aware of your thoughts and you are aware that you are distorting perhaps the reality, then that's something that you can work with. Yeah. So what do I have to, so you say, you know, you're listening and you're, you're saying, yeah, that's, that's fine for you. Um, but, or, or maybe I'm saying that in my head. What, so what can I do? Could I breathe? Could I take a breath? Or could I just ask myself a question like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on for me right now? Because any intervention stops the train. Doesn't matter if you take a breath, doesn't matter if you look at the sky, doesn't matter if you snap your fingers. You need a cue to say to yourself, I'm going through something here and I want to take a look at it for a second. Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge intervention. What's going on with me right now? You know, the ability to just, there's so many things in that little thing, the ability to pause, again, that ability for self-awareness, both of the thoughts that you're having and where you're feeling what's going on, and then taking it from there. Now, are you going to get it right 100% of the time? Can you be your own coach and your own therapist all the time? No, but these are huge leaps and bounds from where we, I don't know, where we are, especially when we're growing up as kids, because these are not things that were taught in school. Awareness of our thoughts and feelings? No, no, no. Math, science, right, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic not feelings. I don't know. Were you taught feelings? Uh, I was taught the opposite. And I think there are many people who are taught the opposite. That There's there no are place no for feelings. feelings. Right. That's my, that, I actually went to that summer camp. It's called There's No Place for Feelings Summer Camp. And you had to pretend you were happy. Um, but if they taught a course called Pretend Happiness, I can teach that course. Oh, yeah, um, me too. I'd be yeah. like a master teacher in that course. Yeah. So start thinking <laughs> about the things that you can do and, and do those skills because that's kind of a funny way to like, you know, in a backward way, take a look at, you know, what I learned, you know, what I, pra because those are things that become a practice. They become a habit. Those thoughts become beliefs because you think them over and over again. So now you believe that, you know, I believe that I can't do this or I can't think that. Now, could that be changed? And what Rainey's saying is absolutely true. Yeah, it's changed in a second with one breath, one conscious breath, or one question, or a way to check in with yourself. That's a cue to say, wait a minute, what am I, what am I telling myself? What's going on with me? Gee, no wonder I feel overwhelmed. I'm telling myself things that are overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the beliefs that you're talking about are so incredibly important, you know, especially when it comes to overwhelm for our kids, because I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of parents are listening right now thinking, well, my kids are overwhelmed, right? And let's get to the root of the overwhelm. Is it the homework? Is it the overscheduling? Is it the, you know, studying for exams? But I think it is our belief system and what we are tying to our own self-perception of who we are and our value of ourselves, right? Especially for kids. So they come into this world not putting a lot of value on their math test, for example, or how many likes they got on Facebook, um, or if they were invited to a particular party or the clothes that they're wearing, right? There's not a lot of value on all that stuff. And they start going through school and there's more and more and more value put on that. And there's more value perhaps put on 
What am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to be? And this whole entire childhood is leading up to this one pot of gold at the end of this strange rainbow, which is, you know, all of the work that the kids are doing is going to lead to this pot of happiness. And that is causing overwhelm. And we can break down a lot of what we're talking about into little things. But I think all of the other stuff, the overscheduling, the homework, and I would love to you know, dive into some of that stuff, those are just contributing factors. Our kids need to know who they are and their value and that it's not tied to a lot of these things we're talking about. Yeah, you want to hear the answer you know, in a school, what am I going to be when I grow up? I'll be a human being. I'll be myself and the rest is gravy. And that's what you really want to hear because I had a cousin growing up. She was like a sister to me. And she said, when you were born, your job was done. The job that's was it. That's amazing. Yeah. Your job was over. You deserve everything. You have every opportunity. You have every, you're a human being and your job was over. There's no more job. Like you don't have to try to be a human being. You are a human being. And that comes with feelings. It comes with thoughts, it comes with a lot of things. But being okay with being a human being is a whole different story because of the things that are, you know, we learn, we practice our fear, you know, that's put upon us. That reminds me of Pema Chodron. She has a quote, it's so beautiful. She says, you are the sky, everything else, it's just the weather. And it reminds me of what your cousin said to you. Our children are the sky. They're full of every single thing that they will ever need when they come into this world. And all of these other thoughts and these feelings and experiences, they're just the weather. They're temporary. And can they enrich our lives? Absolutely. But everything you need is within you. And I know it sounds a little trite and maybe a little bit cheesy and maybe a little bit out there esoteric. And we will give you some tips on if your kids are feeling overwhelmed, what they can do. But really, this is the essence of what we are talking about. Your kids came into this world with a bunch of strengths within them. And that's what they need to tune into. And we need to help support them so they can tune into it. And, and really, if you're doing that for your kids, of course, you're doing it for yourself. This idea that you can be a parent and not do these things for yourself, but do them for your kids, it doesn't really doesn't really work that way. And if it did, uh, you know, I'd be father of the year every year. And um, I'm not because um, I forget to do these things for myself. And then I tell my daughter about them. Yes. Do as I say, not as I do. Right. Yeah. 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 And my daughter looks at me with like the like this. You don't do that. But you don't do that, right? right? My life is over. Forget about me. <laughs> you have a chance. I'm gone. <laughs> um, but but yeah, and I and I catch myself, you know, with with that kind of thing because this, this is my question to you, Rini. I mean, it, aren't all these things that we're talking about? Don't you do them? Like, can you do them? Do you have Do you have to do them first for yourself and then for your kid, or can you do it simultaneously? I think you can absolutely do it simultaneously. I think one of the biggest things we need to show our children is that we are human, right? That we have humanity. I saw that way, way, way too late with my parents, right? I thought they were superheroes <laughs> and they are and they are, but they're human. 
And so I think that it's absolutely okay for your kids to see that you're on this journey with them, that you're growing with them, that you struggle, right? That you fall down and that you keep getting back up. I think that's so incredibly important. What better learning can there be to see someone that you respect and that you love going through this with you, right? And there's camaraderie in it. So I think it's amazing if you're listening to Dear Anxiety with your child, if you're doing some of the practices that we talk about. And, you know, I do want to talk about some practical things when it comes to overwhelm. Let's talk about some practical things, Ed. Homework? Let's do it. Homework? Yeah, of course. It's perfect. Now, should we do... We always role play on the show, and so let's do a role play. And uh, why don't we do this? I'll be a kid doing my homework, and I'm overwhelmed. And Rini will be my parent, and she'll come in. Let's just, do it. Let's just do so it. you can hear it, okay? Let's get ready to role play. I, I can't believe I can't do this. This is too much. Ed, it's too much. Who can do this? On, I can't do this every day. I'm so far behind. I see. I see you feel behind and that's that's hard for you, huh? Yeah, I can't do it. I hear you. I'm I'm not going to school tomorrow. I'm not going. Okay. Well, before we get there, can you tell me what you're working on? What are you working on? This is, it's, it's science homework. And then, and then I have history right behind it. And then I have a book report due right after that. And it's all late. And everybody else is going, everybody else is doing it. And I'm like the worst one in the class. I hear you. That does not feel good, right? Especially if you feel like you're the worst one and that's being judged. Hey, can we do something? You know what? Let's do something, okay? Forget that for a second. Forget, Kind of forget what you're doing. Can we put it to the side for a second? I get you don't want to do it anyway, so I figure that's okay. You want to put it yeah. to the side? Okay, let's do I something. Guess, I guess. I guess. Okay. I, don't know. I know you don't love to do this with me, but let's just start with, can you take a deep breath with me? I want to ask you some questions, okay? Oh, you always say take a deep breath like that's the answer to everything. I my my teachers are not going to know that I'm taking a deep I can't present a deep breath to them tomorrow. Definitely not the answer to everything. I totally get it. This is just for you and I, right? This is just for you and I. Ready? Okay. Okay. All right. Take a deep breath in your nose. Release through your mouth. Okay. I want to just ask you about your project, all right? Just, I just want to ask you some questions. Okay, so what is your project? What is this project that you're doing? Well, I mean, I'm trying to do the science thing, but I have to do the history thing. And the history thing is about, um, it's about Alexander Hamilton. And we had to, you know, we have to read that big book that's like a thousand pages. And then we have to talk about, um, you know, particular things, contributions that Hamilton made and, struggles that he faced. And it's too much. Okay. I totally hear you. That's a huge book. I can see it. It would be big even for me. I get it. Okay. What is, do you know what the purpose of the project is? Like what's the goal or what's the purpose for you? Forget what your teacher thinks. What is the purpose of it for you? I think, I, I don't know. I think it's to show his, his journey and how he transformed himself, how he made himself into this, into this hero in a way. Okay. If you were to do this project and you would consider doing it well, what would that look like? What does it mean for you to do well on this? What does that look like for you? 
I have to answer all the questions that they they give us to, to you know that they guide us to tell us to, to to pay attention to certain things in the report that we're writing, and so I'm trying to answer those questions and make sure that I have them answered. But it's so much reading, and I just can't I can't, I can't answer all of them at the same time. It's too much. Okay, so I know that it's too much, but we're just kind of focusing on what it would mean to do well on this. So that would mean answering all the questions. Yes, okay. complete, completing all the questions and and then being able to to present it in a way that that people you know that the teachers can understand. Okay, so one of the things that I like to do at work, you know, what works for me, is just figuring out what some of the next steps might be. You know, like let's just take the first question. The first question is something about, I can kind of see your paper, something about Hamilton's childhood, right? Right. Right. Okay. So what's the next step that you could do? Like, What's the, the smallest step that you could take? Uh, maybe either opening my book or opening my web browser to look at some sites. Okay. Just opening. And then what would be something that you could do after that? Um, start to read the, the, the book about a little bit about trying to find, but it's all threaded in there about trying to find his childhood. And then, and then, uh, maybe looking at some of the, some of the, yeah, the sites that we were told to, to look things up, trying to find anything I can find on his childhood. Okay. And then what can we do? Let's say, what are the things that kind of get in your way sometimes when you're doing your homework, you know, when you're feeling like this, what gets in your way? I think I'm not going to be able to do it. And I spend too long on certain questions and I don't realize that I've spent too long. And then all of a sudden I'm behind. Okay. I'm, you're so clear about that. A lot of times we don't know what gets in our way. That's kind of amazing. Okay, so why don't we try this? If you start to spend too long on something and you can't figure it out, then what can you do? I can tell myself to stop. Okay. Do you think there's a way that you can figure out if you're taking too long? Is there, you know, can we use a stopwatch? Is there something you can do? Yeah, maybe I can set my phone. Okay. So if I set my phone, so how many, like, let's just kind of guess on the minutes. How many minutes? Um, 15 minutes. Okay. So if I take more than 15 minutes on a question, then my alarm will go off and I will... What will you do? Um, stop. Okay. Work, stop working on it, and then go on, and then go on to the next question. I guess. Okay. Okay. Great. So listen, this is amazing. I know. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about like what we just did? Well, you know, just taking a break calmed me down yeah, a little bit in the first place, but now I still have all that work to do, and I'm pretty worried about it but i see that there are some things that i could do to to do it you know better maybe yeah this is listen i think that you have 
a solid plan. You brainstormed some steps you could take. You looked at what the obstacles might be, and then you made a plan. So now you know what to do. Now you just have to take the next action. You said, open your book, open your, open the internet. Right. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. Awesome. I know. I know, honey. I know. We have a winner. Yep. Okay. Okay. So what did you do? And the other thing is tell me how you managed your own sense of overwhelm like usually when your kid is like in extreme in some kind of distress it's very hard not to go there with them yeah absolutely so we weren't really modeling kind of regulating my own feelings i know that we've done that before in past role in past role plays together but we were more modeling (laughs) i came in as the self-regulated parent already right but definitely you can feel extremely overwhelmed if your child is going through overwhelm you can feel extremely frustrated if you're thinking to yourself oh here we go again do i have to motivate you to do everything why can't you just be motivated to do it? You know, do I have to walk you through everything? There could be a lot of different monologues or self-talk, inner chatter going on that really overwhelms you as a parent. And so you really have to come to this understanding that your child needs you as a guide, right? And that I really truly believe in what Dr. Ross Green says, that kids do well if they can. And that there is lagging skills or developmental delay if they're starting to get frustrated and they don't have frustration tolerance sometimes, or if they're getting super overwhelmed, you know, it could just be lagging skills. And your role is to help them with those skills. Yeah. And I think that there's a natural thing. I know with me, my, what happens with that I start to have feelings and the feelings are, um, I start to panic a little bit. And the panic quickens everything. And then what happens for the panic is I try to fix it. I think what happens is is that we look at a situation with our kids and we say to ourselves, I need to be able to fix this. And my goal is to fix it. So we as parents need to change our goal when we're walking into a situation when our kids need need support. The goal should be, I should be giving the best guidance and support and coaching that I possibly can in this situation. And I may not be able to fix it in this moment, right? Because when we make our goal fixing it, making the yelling go away, the tantrums go away, the overwhelm go away, the frustration go away, and we are not able to do that, then we feel out of control ourselves, right? That this isn't in our control or in our capacity. So change the goal. Let's change the goal. Our kids need our support. Let's walk in and be the best support that we can be. So we want to talk about a couple of the techniques that we use just now in that role play. I kind of mixed together the WHOOP method, which is a research-based method, W-O-O-P, and we'll have it on our show notes uh, on the Dear Anxiety site on gozen, gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety. Uh, But this is a research-based method, which stands for wish. So what's your wish? You know, to answer all the questions is what, what was said in the role play. And what outcome do you want? So what what does this look like? You can visualize it. And then what obstacles might present themselves? And what's the plan if there is an obstacle? So that is the WHOOP method, kind of a reductionist version of it. Um, but it works. And then I also used a combination of that and then some stuff from David Allen, who is like the ultimate productivity guru. And he has lots of other methods. And we can talk about some of those as well, but I wanted to make sure that I kind of included that in there because that's what I was doing. 
Yeah, they went through all those steps. The the Woot method. I love these. I love these uh, these abbreviations and what they stand for. They're fantastic. Um, now, okay, so I'm I'm a parent and I'm going in to a situation, and my kid is overwhelmed. What can I tell myself? Listen, in all of these situations, we need to hold space for our kids to actually experience the overwhelm. Again, so the goal can't be, let's just bring them down from the ledge immediately, right? Because that's what's most convenient for us. We also need to know if I'm in, it's very hard to introduce a method where you have to teach someone something when their brain has been hijacked by the fight or flight response. So holding space means allowing the other person to have those feelings and them knowing that you are there as their support. Okay. So that's super important. So ideally the whoop method should be taught outside of a situation where a child is feeling super overwhelmed. I mean, that's, you know, one thing to know. So again, you know, a lot of people say to me, well, my kid doesn't, you know, my kid forgets everything when they're really upset. And yeah, we do. Our brain is designed to do that, to take on, you know, to be very narrow in focus when we're melting down or freaking out essentially. And so be easy on yourself if you're not able to throw in a bunch of methods while your child is feeling super overwhelmed. And know that the way that our school systems are set up right now, it can be really overwhelming, right? I know that there have been so many articles and so many books written on overscheduling, right? The overscheduled child, um, the pressured child. Uh, there's lots and lots of articles on it. There's been lots written on homework. Um, there has been lots written on, you know, basically helicopter parenting or snowplow parenting. And so all of these th different things contribute to what your child is experiencing. So it's really important to just kind of meet them where they're at and know where they're at, kind of sense where they're at, read their body language. And the other thing, too, is they're going to have uncomfortable feelings. And so validating that they're having uncomfortable feelings. You asked me, what, what are you doing? What's going on there? What are you working on? You know, you seem really upset. I hear you. Those are, they, they, they are really important things to do because your kid feels heard and then the feelings aren't as overwhelming. Yes, everybody wants to be heard. Right? I yeah, you don't you. Have to do anything about the feelings. You just you just say you, you what you're witnessing. You're really upset right now. I can see that. It's really hard, you know. I mean, I think that again, we're sending our kids into a system that can be extremely overwhelming, especially if they're in a typical public school system. Um, in sort of any of the cities, I think, around the world right now. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of beautiful things going on that I think that we're looking at now, right? So people really taking a very close look at, is the homework, the amount of homework we're assigning, does it make sense? It, do we need to cram our kids' heads full of facts? And do we need to teach for the test? Um, and so they're starting to do all of these studies, and I think it's getting a lot of attention which is extremely important, you know. I think that the, there was an article in The Atlantic just a couple of weeks ago that's so good. It was a really balanced view of the situation with homework right now. And I think one thing that happens to us is that we latch on just 
to an idea of saying something like, oh, we're giving, we're assigning too much homework. We should just give no homework, right? We go very black and white, <laughs> we go very black and white with things. Oh, our kids aren't bored enough. They should just be bored, right? We, we go from one extreme to the other. But I like how there, there's a lot of nuance in this. Maybe some homework is good. I read, I don't know if it was in that article or, or it was in another article, but I read about a teacher who assigns voluntary homework. And because there are some kids who want to dive deeper, they want to take on mastery. Alfie Cohn says something interesting about the research on homework right now in that it tends to focus on quantity rather than quality, because that's the easiest thing to measure. How much do you give? And because a lot of schools are moving to the number of minutes per grade. So if you're in first grade, you get 10 minutes. If you're in second grade, you get 20 minutes. And there isn't a catch-all for what's best. Uh, but it might not be best to just measure the quantity of homework, right? The quality of the homework might be important as well. Well, the and the thing too, we talked about this on another show, is how am I feeling while I'm learning? If I'm feeling a lot of distress, something needs to be adjusted. And it's not the amount of homework. What needs to be adjusted is being conscious, like, how am I approaching this thing that I'm doing? And am I in my panic zone? Am I in my challenge zone? Or am I in my comfort zone? Or whatever you want to substitute for that. Where am I in this? Because what good is learning if you associate it with distress? Yeah, I, mean, what I think you- for kids, you know, especially when they get to the point where, you know, you were talking about doing something with Hamilton, it's like if you if you don't contextually understand why that's important in your life, you hear a lot of kids saying, I'm never going to use math. I don't understand why it's important. Right. And so I don't want to do it. I think it's super important to draw a nexus between what you're doing in school and what you're doing outside in your in your life. I know that a lot of teachers do this naturally. Right. Well, this is why this is important. And so it makes sense. And I think that that can work to lessen the distress. I also think that, listen, we don't have a magic wand where we can, you know, just fix all the schools right away. Um, I think that we do need to use some tools when it comes to productivity. And I think what we should do is we should look at the tools that they have for adults and we should make them accessible for kids. So I'd love to talk about some productivity tools that sure. might help lessen the overwhelm. What do you think? Sure. Do you have Absolutely. Any, Ed, do you have any productivity tips that you use for yourself? First of all, would you consider yourself to be a productive person? Um, you know, to be honest, it's not a yes or a no. And what it is, is I am a person who stores up things and then in bursts, I create a lot. Yes. Um, does I that work that. for me? Does it work for me? Not all the time, but I will say that that is how I do it. Yeah. You know, they talk about this life in balance, but Maybe that's just how some people do it. I feel like I do it that way as as well. When I get inspired, I can burn the midnight oil and just the inspiration is pouring out of me. And then all of a sudden I need a, a huge break. And sometimes I'm with my kids for these really big chunks of time and it's amazing quality time. And then sometimes I'm working. I mean, sometimes the balance doesn't look so quote unquote balanced. Right. And And you say, and so these productivity tools can help. And I know that Taking that actually taking a break and walking away from something for a minute is actually a great thing. I don't do it that often, 
But when I have, it's worked out really well. Oh my goodness, completely. I I promise you the other day I got up from my desk and I literally fell over because both my legs were asleep. I'm like, that is not good. <laughs> That's yeah. very bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As they say, sitting is the new cancer, right? It's a terrible thing. But listen, we all need to be productive and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be productive and there's nothing wrong with teaching kids some productivity skills that are tried and true. So David Allen, who is, again, the world-renowned expert on productivity and his, his book and his methods are like GTD, getting things done, right? So one of the things that he says is that everything that is on your mind, you need to capture on your mind in terms of what you are feeling overwhelmed about, your to-do list. You need to capture it and you need to categorize it. Now, some of the categories he suggests are now, later, someday big, little, or in between, right? So if you're listening to this, one thing that can help your child that might be interfering is the stress of how many things there are to do. So does your child have a good to-do list where they can capture all of it and you can help them categorize it? Because that kind of brain dump really lessens the stress of having it all swirling around in your brain. Right. That's, um, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And just the just the consciousness of I'm going to put things in different boxes and it's going to, it all slows the train down because unchecked, the train will leave the station really fast. The train of overwhelm leaves very quickly and it's a regularly scheduled train. And the thing is, am I going to get on it or not? And to take a stop and actually say, well, I'm going to let all these trains go in their different directions. I'm staying here and here's where they all go. Here's where all these uh, things that I have to do. Here's my to-do list. It's a, it's a realistic to-do list. And then you have a place to put it. Um, he is also the one that really coined what's the next action, which we've talked about a lot in these podcasts and we just used it just now. What's the next little bitty thing that you can do? Because action is what begets action. It's not thoughts countering thoughts that is actually going to get you motivated. So it's not thinking, I should really do this term paper right now. I should really, you know, write this thing, this essay right now. That is actually going to get you to write the essay right now. It is what's the next action? Well, I should pick up my pen or I should open my laptop or I should turn my iPad on. That's the next action that I need to take. So what's the next action is it's quick and it's powerful. And I would say, you know, in it, it's a sm- it may seem like a small thing, but it's actually not a small thing. And I had a teacher once who said, how you do anything is how you do everything. So So in the smallest action, the way I do it is the way I'm living my life. The way you comb your hair, no matter what it is. <laughs> Please don't say the way so, you comb your hair. <laughs> well, if I had hair, I would say it. Um, I can't say it because I don't. I can't say what I don't have. Um, but when I used to have it, um, I would. You know, it, it it really does make sense. There is something to that. So no action is a small action. Yes, no action is a small action. No action is an action, right? Inaction. Yes. Yes. Now that word action is starting to sound weird because we've said it so many times. Action. And action. And action. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and, then so, so yeah, so a small step, a small step. He also has the two minute game, which I really like. Um, Although I'm not 100% convinced about it. And I'll tell you why. So the two minute game is basically anything that you say, it'll only take two minutes. You should do that moment. 
If that slips out of your mouth, you should do it immediately. That's the two-minute game because you'll be miles ahead. Rather than opening up your to-do list and adding it, right, that takes two minutes. You should actually just get it done. Now, the reason that I hesitate on that one is because of attention switching. Do you remember the time, Ed, where like in the 90s and the early 2000s, where they were like, oh, multitasking. Can you multitask? Multitasking is the greatest thing ever. And it was the big thing. It was right. the big thing. Make sure that you say that you can multitask. Well, now the big thing is attention switching and attention residue, right? Attention residue is very interesting to me. So there is someone named Cal Newport who writes a, a book called Deep Work. Like, yes, that's the name of it, Deep Work. And he talks about the ability to really work in a very, very focused way. And he says that, you know, the reason that switching messes you up is because part of your attention is left over on the task that you switched from. So there's some residue. And so, and, and the part that kind of scares me is that he also says that if you've done this for long enough, there can kind of be some permanent impact on the way that you're able to focus on things. So we all know that if you have a ton of tabs open, if you're switching from text to email to this to that, that basically it's not in your best interest in terms of productivity. So you actually have to, so what are you, are you, is he saying and are you saying that you actually have to say goodbye to that thing? You have to disengage from it. I am saying that, you know, David Allen says that if it's going to take you two minutes, you should just do it right away. And then Cal Newport, and I'm not saying that they're, they're butting heads on this. I'm just saying that what I like to do is read a lot of the research and then make up my own stuff and know there's no one, one size fits all and kind of see what works for me. But I really, really try it. And so I feel like these two things conflict, which is like the two minute rule. So, you know, David Allen is saying, if you say that it's going to take two minutes, we'll just do it immediately. However, if you're in the midst of doing something else and your attention has wandered over to, oh, I have to, you know, shine my shoes and it's only going to take two minutes. Well, you're not going to get up from what you're doing to go shine your shoes, right? Because that would be attention switching. So in any case, it's just something to think about, right? But we want our kids to have the ability to have focus and work deeply on something, to be gritty, to be able to, to do it without getting uncomfortable and getting up and switching tasks constantly. So I found Cal Newport's work called Deep Work. You know, one of his books is called Deep Work. Very interesting. He says he offers a few different ideas of what you can do. He says there's like a rhythmic philosophy. Um, I don't know if you remember this on Seinfeld, where he had the chain method of writing where he wrote a joke every day. And I don't know how you write jokes. You know, like how you write. How did you do that? I wrote every day, but uh, but my stuff is like it wasn't jokes. It was like subjects, and it was uh, I would bullet point it and I would outline it like that. And I really didn't write jokes. I made up jokes in the moment. But it did. So- it does sound like from what you're explaining that there's some sort of rhythm. So there can be a rhythm, right? So we're talking about productivity. We're talking about the ability to do deep work for our kids and all of this to lessen the overwhelm that they are experiencing, maybe from school, maybe from life, maybe socially, you know, maybe they have anxiety stemming from somewhere else. But creating a rhythm, whether that be writing for a half hour every day or working on something, you know, at the same time in the same place can help us really get into this deep work. Um, Or you can kind of, you know, go into 
it's sort of like a, a monastic look at it. You can go into like a monk-like place if you have that, right? Where, where do those places exist? I would love that to be able to kind of walk into a forest and write every day. <laughs> That'd be amazing the for me. Yes. Be the greatest. Yes. A portal. Yes. Yeah. Or you can go into kind of a journalistic mode where you are on a deadline, right? I feel like our kids are on that anyway, regularly. Um, but you have to find something that allows you to focus your attention in one space and really then be able to embrace boredom without jumping into something else because it is very, very difficult for us to be bored, as we know. You spoke about balance. And what, you, what we're trying to do with all of these things is to balance our human experience, the fact that we're human beings, with these ideas, with these plans. And I think what you said at the beginning of the show is really true. We attach so much meaning to these things that we're, we're anxious to, you know, we, we give away our value as a person based on these tasks. And it's just not, it's not true. It's not true. It's not fair. And um, it needs to change because nothing has more value than, than being present and being a human being. You'll find the answers. And there are all these practices are great. But you don't give up the fact that you're a human being, even if you didn't get the report in on time. We want you to be on time, but there's no reason to give up, you know, the fact that you have value as a human being. And, and we do that all the time now. All right, I do it all the time. All right. <laughs> no, we all do it. Please have your kids take the VIA Strength Survey. We have no, we get nothing from saying this, right? The VIA Strength Survey. You can find it at VIA, V as in Victor, I as in India, A as in Apple, character.org. And it gives you a list of your signature strengths. It's not the only value your child has, but I feel like it is so quantifiable. It is so palpable for them. It's so easy to say for them to look at things in a different way when they get a report that says, you're super creative. You're a leader. You're brave. You're humorous. You know, and this is all based on self-report. So it's not like they're pulling something out of the sky. You have to take a survey and then, you know, they, they ask you a bunch of questions. And then it comes up with your greatest strengths. And I think that this is an awesome starting point because often when we are getting overwhelmed, we are forgetting that beautiful quote that we are the sky and everything else is just the weather. Kids need to remember who they are and that not turning the report in or turning the report in and getting a poor grade, that's just the weather. That's just part of their experience and their identity cannot be tied to it. This is another thing that we do all the time. And I feel like this is really such a root of the overwhelm is the mind wandering. Ed, your mind might be wandering right now. Are you mind wandering? What are you wandering about? Excuse, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, <I'm... laughs> right. The research is crazy. 47% of the time we're thinking about something else. 40, that's most, that's half the time, right? Half the time we're thinking about something else. Our brains are just like that. We're either flying into the future or time traveling or going into the past. And, you know, the research is also amazing because basically when you're mind wandering, you're substantially, substantially less happy. <laughs> like, when you're thinking about the future, you're worrying about, oh my goodness, I'm not going to get a good grade and then I'm not going to get into a good school and you're catastrophizing. And oftentimes when you're thinking about the past, did I say something weird? Was I wearing something weird? What do they think of me? You are ruminating on something that happened. And so it is 
you know, the research is showing that we're much happier when we're mindful and kind of in the present moment. Well, I have to say this has been a big show because we talked about overwhelm and there's a lot of information. There's a lot of great information that Rini referenced and talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, about overwhelm and we did some practical tools that you can use. And then we role played a scenario of doing homework with your kid or uh, and what you need to and things that you can say to your kid, things that you can say to yourself. And then we talked about productivity. And so it's really this is a big show, but we're going to have to wrap it up. We are going to have to wrap it up. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it's time to go. Don't be overwhelmed. Um, and yeah. please continue to listen. And we love when you write in. We love when you write reviews. It just helps us reach more people. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks for some of your kind comments. We've gotten some great reviews and some great emails. And we're going to read the, We're going to start reading those next episode uh, because they're very powerful and, and they're great. Um, so thank you for doing that. And if you want to write in, you can write in about any subject, any question, any topic, anything to gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. That's gozen, G-O-Z-E-N dot com forward slash dear anxiety. And then the podcast address, we want you to listen. So please, you can you can find it anytime on iTunes, on Stitcher, on, on Google Play, any of the places where you listen to podcasts. Or you can find it at bit.ly bit.ly forward slash dear anxiety. bit.ly forward slash dear anxiety. Thank you all so much. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. For Rini Jane, I'm Ed Krasnick. Have a great week. Bye.